Chatters. I'm Nat. And I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale, Natalie Jo, true crime addict connoisseur. Just two normal girls who obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. Yes, we do. That's where we get into trouble. <laughs> your disclaimer today, chatters, the following crime chat contains adult content and descriptions of maybe, I don't know, I don't know what your story is, so maybe violence scenarios. Either way, your listener discretion is advised as always. And before we get into today's crime chat, Kat, what have you done and where are you? You look like you're sitting in a bowl of Vaseline. <laughs> Can you see the aura around me? <laughs> well, normally you have like something going on behind you. I know. You've got something going behind you today. I felt pinky. You're you're pulling one through for the crime chat team today. Yeah. I No, I blurred my background because I'm in a hotel. So uh, crime chat doesn't stop. Crime chat yeah. goes on the road. It does. We've done this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm on location with the with a, a quick job. I've just been busy and just like crazy working. The only cool thing that I have done this week is I was in Barnes and Noble while I was out and about. Okay. Oh no, it's blurring. <laughs> I see murder. True crime casebook murder. Murder. It says history's most infamous cases and the people who solved them. So it does have a couple stories in here. Right. Let me flip through that we've covered. So St. Valentine's Day Massacre. That was a good one. Check. check. John Benny Ramsey. Check. Check. Kathleen Peterson. Check, check. Check, 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 check. <laughs> Other ones we've talked about, like we talked about Oscar Pistorius. Remember the double amputee? Olympic runner. We talked about how he killed his girlfriend. On Valentine's Day, right? Yeah. But there's also one in here that is on my to-do list. Kitty Genovese. (gasps) Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. Did you know it was after her murder is when the United States established the 911 system? No, I did not. Yeah. Wow. Another one in here... Of course, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman, Lacey Peterson, and another one in here that I was interested in is the mysterious murder of William Desmond Taylor. Oh. It's the very first one in this book, and I was like, ooh, and that's what got me. I was like, oh, sold. Thanks, Barnes & Noble. Business and personal murder <laughs> is always involved. We need, but we probably need some help, but it's okay. It's fine. And if you need to, to take a break, we're having a little bit of a break today. Last week was heavy. Oh, yeah. Last week was very heavy. That was a super crime chat link. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there. I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but the family it has been so gracious with, yeah. let's get the story out. Let's yeah. get as many people speaking about her as possible. Yeah. She should be remembered. She needs yeah. to be remembered. Yeah. She's sounded, just appeared to be such a sweetheart. So, yeah. uh, Chatters, if you haven't gone back to listen to the murder of Catherine Devine, our last episode, and then the bonus material that we did with my friend, then uh, check that out. Check it out. Yeah. What else have you done besides travel to Virginia and... Nope. (laughs) That's it. I fall asleep to Forensic Files. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) It's okay. It's all right. I've just been so busy. I haven't really had much time. But you know what? Mm. Mama got to work. Mama got to make the money. You got to bring home the bacon. (laughs) (laughs) The pig farm killer. (laughs) What about you? What have you been up to? I feel like we haven't talked, so. I know, because we had one week off. Yeah. Researching cases, and it's the funny part is, like, I had a different case that I was going to do today. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to push it back a little bit because it's really not so much a case, but it's really a discussion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But after last week's 
crime chat. It was so dark and it was so horrible that I figured this week, why don't we do something a little bit lighter? Yeah. I was researching this story as gritty and horrible as it is there there's no murder Mm. this time there's heroes so yeah i've been researching that i did watch some movies i watched the pope's exorcist have you seen that no okay so like like the exorcist like type of like series i guess it's a movie it's out in the movie theaters now it has uh russell crowe in it oh yeah he's still a hot man Mm -hmm. i'm not saying it's not a good movie it is a good movie it's good Mm -hmm. but once you've seen The Exorcist, you really can't shock us. Sure. You're going to do that's going to be like, oh my God. Oh, that's new. <laughs> and I think it's because we do so much research in this shit. You can't yeah. shock us. Yeah, yeah. Besides that, the one thing that I have been shocked about that I got hooked on, which has nothing to do with murder or crime. <gasps> Guess. I got hooked on 90 Day Fiance. Oh no, you fell into the hole. Girl. Girl. <laughs> The shit that happens. Oh my God. So yeah, yeah, I sometimes I branch off from murder and go straight into the drama. (laughs) So that's what I've been doing. Okay. (laughs) Well, your story did mention there's no murder in it, but you you did tell me it was a kidnapping and it was something that I don't know that I've ever heard of. And I was like, "Mm, okay, well, I'll just do something like, you know, write a little bit about kidnapping. So according to Encyclopedia Britannica, kidnapping is a criminal offense consisting of the unlawful taking and carrying away of a person by force or by fraud or the unlawful seizure and detention of a person against their will. The principal motives for kidnapping are to subject the victim to some sort of involuntary servitude, to expose them to the commission of some further criminal act against this person, or to obtain a ransom for the safe release. More recently, kidnapping for the purpose of extortion has become a tactic of political revolutionaries or terrorists seeking concessions to form a government, so more like more ideology. Right. In all countries, it is considered a grave offense punishable by a long prison sentence or death. In earlier times, kidnapping meant carrying a person away to another country for involuntary servitude, and it referred to the practices of impressing males into a military service, which is also known as crimping, by fraudulent inducement or force or... Shanghaiing merchant seamen in port cities. There's a lot to unpack in that sentence. Say that again. <laughs> Shanghaiing seamen, like seamen, mm-hmm. merchant seamen mm-hmm. in port cities. Not port, not port wine. I know what you meant, but still, it's silly. <laughs> <laughs> Abducting young women and selling them for purposes of concubinage, concubine, or prostitution mm-hmm. has also been characterized as a form of kidnapping. In current mm-hmm. statutes, this is often described as abduction and ordinarily includes the taking or detention of a girl under a designated age for a purpose of marriage. I mean. So we got like human trafficking kind of thing going on. Mm. In some countries, the alienation of a husband from his wife by another woman who entices him away is also delineated as a criminal offense with the meaning of abduction. So yeah, yeah. modern kidnapping laws are drawn so as to prescribe the offense of taking a person with the object of extorting large amounts of ransom money or other concessions for their safe return. This has become common in the United States during the 1920s and 1930s. 
1930s. I'm going to give a couple examples. And then kidnapping mm-hmm. in 1932 of the Lindbergh baby spurred legisla- legislation imposing the death penalty for transporting a kidnapped victim across the state line. Oh, yeah. In most countries, the offense of kidnapping includes false imprisonment. And false imprisonment aggravated by carrying a person to some other place is considered a kidnapping, thus inviting mm-hmm. more a severe penalty. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what Encyclopedia Britannica describes kidnapping as. But in November, I found mm-hmm. this article in November of 2022, People Magazine wrote an article on the most famous kidnappings throughout history. Oh. And I'm going to talk about five of them. One of them is the Lindbergh baby. Okay. So the first one, Amber Hagerman. Does mm-hmm. that sound familiar? Mm-mm. It will. The crime could scarcely have been more horrific. In January 1996, nine-year-old Amber Hagerman of Arlington, Texas, was kidnapped by an unknown man who forced her off her bike and into his black pickup truck. Her kidnapping and killing have never been solved. Convinced that more coordinated response to child abductions could save lives, media broadcasters and Dallas-Fort Worth police devised a rapid warning system and named it the Amber Alert. Okay. Yeah! Launched in July 1997, the Amber Alert plans have been established in all 50 states Mm -hmm. since 2005 and coordinated by the U.S. Department of Justice. State plans vary somewhat, but generally they do require a child 17 years or younger to be in serious danger and that sufficient information does exist on the child or the kidnapper. Not just delivered over the media, but these alerts are also sent to your cell phones. They've gone off on my cell phone. All the time. They've gone off on yours, I'm sure, too. They go off on cell phones that aren't even hooked up anymore. True statement. How does that happen? Mm -hmm. Okay, the next one is Patty Hearst. Yes. Publishing heiress... Patty Hearst, then 19, was kidnapped in 1974 from her apartment in Berkeley, California, by a group calling themselves the Symbionese Liberation Army, or SLA. The SLA, labeled a domestic terrorist group by the FBI at that time, wanted to wage a war against the government and take down the quote-unquote capitalist state. Within two months of her capture, SLA released a video with Patty Hearst saying she joined their cause soon after she was seen leading a bank robbery. Hearst said she had been abused, threatened, and brainwashed, but at the time there was no legal precedent for an acquittal due to such manipulation. She was sentenced to seven years in prison and served two years before her sentence was commuted by then-President Jimmy Carter, and then President Bill Clinton later pardoned her during his administration. The Lindbergh baby, Charles Lindbergh Jr. It was around 9 p.m. on March 1st, 1932, when the worst fears of famed aviator Charles Lindbergh and his wife, writer Anne Morrow Lindbergh, worst fears were fulfilled when the couple's golden-haired 20-month-old baby, Charles Jr., was taken from his crib in their home in Hopewell, New Jersey. Mm. This was near the John List event. Do you remember? Yeah. So the John List event that we talked about in that episode is... The second most popular of that area, mm-hmm. second to the Lindbergh wow. um, incident. The child's disappearance was reported by his nurse at around 10 p.m. A ransom note for $50,000 was found at the nursery window. Within days, another ransom demand arrived for the family, and this time for $70,000. Two days after that, a third arrived, and more notes came in subsequent weeks, and a ransom was eventually paid, though Charles Jr., baby Charles, was never returned. On May 12, 1932, this was you know, two and a half months after he was kidnapped, his body was found in a shallow grave a few miles away from the home. Mm-hmm. The dreadful end to the crime of the century, the kidnapper Bruno 
Richard Hopman was identified and arrested in September 1934 after a lengthy investigation. Convicted of first-degree murder, he was put to death in 1936. While prosecutors used circumstantial evidence to make their case, Hopman's guilt had, has been the subject of many continued debates, even to this day, and his widow, Anna Hopman, publicly argued that he was innocent until she died in 1994. Hmm. This one, I did not know. Frank Sinatra Jr. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Barry Keenan was in a haze flying to the moon under booze and percodin when he recalled indelibly a night of december 8th 1963 he went to a lake tahoe nevada hotel and kidnapped frank sinatra jr mm -hmm. frank senior paid the two hundred forty thousand dollar ransom which fbi agent dropped off in los angeles between two parked school buses before keenan went to go pick up the money he panicked and released Frank Jr. And then at his trial, Keenan portrayed that the crime was a publicity stunt to help Frank Jr. like boost his career. Yeah. The jury didn't buy right. it. <laughs> and the, but the lie did still linger apparently in public memory. And after Frank Jr.'s safe return, most of the ransom was recovered. And Keenan and two of his accomplices got life sentences, a term that was later reduced for technical reasons it was commuted to like 12 years but he was rolled after four and then probably one of i would say one of the very 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 top adam walsh he was six years old on july 27th 1981 when he was abducted while shopping with his mother reeve walsh at a mall near their home in hollywood florida mm -hmm. leaving him alone in the toy department reeve returned about 10 minutes later to discover that adam had vanished Two weeks later, she and her husband, John Walsh, flew to New York City to plea on Good Morning America for Adam's safe return. Later that day, the Walshes were in their hotel room when Hollywood police called them with the grim news. That morning, two fishermen found a head bobbing in a canal in Vero Beach, Florida. 120 miles north of Hollywood. John gave up his job as a hotel executive to lobby full-time for passage of a 1982 act that mandated immediate investigation of any child reported missing. Yeah. Two years later, another John Back bill established the nonprofit Nick Mick, what we call it today, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Mm -hmm. By sharing this database with the FBI and police, Nick Mick has helped locate tens of thousands of vanished kids. John also became the host of the long-running TV show, America's Most Wanted, yes. and helped find the murderer, John List. Yeah. <laughs> so those are just, like, kind of some of the, the top most famous kidnapping and uh, your story is about going to be about a kidnapping, but it's a little bit li lighter. No murder. No murder. Right? No murder. Today's case, it, it had the potential to be probably one of the worst situations oh no why are we talking about this i thought it was going to be lighter it turns out good <laughs> okay it starts with a bunch of bad guys but it, there's a hero that develops here and okay so i think you're you're gonna be pleasantly surprised yeah so today's case i'm sorry guys there's no murder sorry cat no murder <laughs> it's okay today's crime chat is going to be about the, the biggest most brazen abductions in american history so we're going to cover the Chowchilla school bus kidnapping where 26 kids were buried alive. Oh, gosh. All right. You say Chowchilla. It reminds me of like chinchilla. 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 It's just, it's just a fun word to say. Little chinchillas. We'll have a picture. Of a chinchilla. We'll post a picture. <laughs> yeah. Why would this happen and who would choose to do such a thing? And the answer to this are going to completely disgust you. On July 15th, 1976... <gasps> 
What? It's my anniversary, July 15th. Definitely not 1976. But. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> In the town of Chinchilla, California, 26 kids from the Dairyland Elementary School jumped on their bus to head home. Now, yep. they weren't jumping on the bus after a school day. This was a field trip. <gasps> Yay. They had a blast. The school bus driver who took them there, his name was mm-hmm. Frank Edward Ray. Mm-hmm. He was friendly. He was a good guy. Everybody in the community said that he was kind and he really cared for his kids that mm-hmm. were on his roots. Mm-hmm. His friends and family, they all called him Ed. He was married to his wife, Odessa, and they had two sons together. You're going to love Ed at the end of this. So after a full day of being at the pool, and Ed started making the rounds, getting the kids collected to go back on the school bus to head mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Once all the kids were on the school bus, Ed did the normal thing where, you know, you get in, you walk down the aisle, you do kind of like a head count making sure everybody was there you told everybody sit down and be quiet Mm -hmm. and this was 1976 when kids actually listened Exactly. Yes. The kiddos knew that Ed was a respected adult in their community and they didn't want to disappoint because their parents would hear about it if they were misbehaving. (laughs) Yeah. Ed would tell. (laughs) Once Ed finished his check, he then walked to the front of the the bus. He sat down in the driver's seat and he began his route to take all the kids safely back home to their parents. Ed stated during this trip, the kids were in a great mood. One of his memories was, I remember driving down the road and the kids would just laugh telling stories about their day saying how good of a time looking forward mm-hmm. to the the next field trip and he just felt good to be a part of that he was just mm-hmm. like this is a great happy bus mm-hmm. as ed drove down the road ahead was a split in the road and he continued down the right side mm-hmm. it wasn't a busy street it was kind of like one of those country roads mm-hmm. all of a sudden ed stopped the bus sharply all the kids got quiet because they wanted to know why ed stopped mm-hmm. and they all looked at the front to see what was going on and there was a white utility van blocking the road ahead of them. Within seconds, three men jumped out of the van, all wearing pantyhose over their faces. (laughs) Sorry. in the day when when the kidnappers struggled because it like distorts their face like i guess i never understood that i guess just because it gives you like a squished nose and like yeah. weird eyes two of them had pistols one of them had a like a sawed off shotgun mm. and out of the three two men approached the bus and they kicked in the door one guy held a gun to ed's head and said move mm. the second guy stood yelling and pointing the gun at the kids saying stay seated and be quiet the first hijacker he then walked to the front of the bus he got into the driver's seat and he started to drive down the road and this entire okay. plan is now in action in action the three men that are doing this right now 24 year old fred woods and his friends james and richard schoenfeld mm-hmm. 24 and 22 so three guys in their 20s they planned this kidnapping for over a year and the most oh shocking part of this entire thing is that they were rich. You're going to get to their motive, right? Because I'm scratching my head right now. The motive is pathetic, just like they are. Okay. All right. Fred Woods was the ringleader to this, and he was the son of a wealthy quarry owner in the town of Livermore, Mm -hmm. which is right next to Chowchilla. Mm -hmm. He was a trust fund baby. (laughs) It just doesn't make any sense. His accomplices, Mm -hmm. James and Richard, they grew up in the San Francisco area, and they were sons of a successful doctor. In San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. No reason here. But despite how successful their families were, the three guys did rack 
rack up thousands of dollars in debt. Mm -hmm. 48 Hours did report on Fred that he had been arrested at one point for stealing a car. Mm -hmm. And the brothers, James and Richard, they were his buddies, so they were caught with him. But the families managed to use their money and get the three men off with a slap on the wrist. Like, you know, grab your bail money. Fred is the ringleader. He is the most dangerous here. Mm -hmm. His plan was to have as many victims as possible so the money would go up. He stated, he picked children because they're the most precious. They're helpless. They won't fight back. Plus, he knew the state of California would pay a hefty ransom on top of whatever the parents would pay to get their kids back. That's how evil this dude is. After traveling about two hours in the bus, They pulled over to a second van that was parked there, another white utility van. But this van was a little bit different because it was converted into a cage. Oh, gosh. Inside the van, there was plywood that blocked off the driver. And then there was plywood on the sides. Once you're in the van, you were in this black box. Okay. They loaded 27 people in there, 26 kids and Ed, in a utility van. Wow. They parked the school bus, like, right next to this van. Mm -hmm. And they said, you need to jump into the van. And this is what they did to Ed. They said, Ed, give me your shoes and give me your pants. So they wanted him to be as vulnerable as possible. I think they wanted him to feel vulnerable in that situation. Sure. So he couldn't just run. I had to run in my underpants and barefoot, you kidding me? But not without the kids. If I was the only adult, I mean, I don't. Yeah. You're going to talk about him being a hero. And I can only imagine how that came out. Yeah. But like, if I had the opportunity, like, hell no. No, and Mm-mm. I can protect them children. Yeah. And I think probably for Ed, like, put yourself in that situation. Okay, they're asking you to take off articles of clothing. But, like, okay, if they're asking that of me and I'm the adult, what are they going to do to these kids? Yeah. That would be just... Mm. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and before they got in, they wanted to know uh, their name and their age. They're like, what's your name? Give me your age. The three men at that point jumped in the utility van loaded with 27 victims and drove to Fred's family quarry. Back in Chowchilla, 26 families were going out of their minds with worry, including Mm -hmm. Ed's wife. The Mm -hmm. sheriff's helicopter spotted an abandoned school bus on the road, and it Mm -hmm. quickly became clear that they were dealing with something that is super unimaginable. Where are these kids? Right. Where are they? You know, by sunset, dozens of FBI agents and state officials were on the scene scouring the bus, looking for clues, trying to find where they could have gone, any type of clue. They didn't find anything. This plan that was put in place for months, almost a year, these three men would go to the quarry that Fred's family owns to dig a Mm -hmm. hole big enough to fit one of those old moving trucks. Okay. This was that old-fashioned, it was all one vehicle. My my parents owned one. (laughs) I remember it. (laughs) So it was one of those old, old old-fashioned ones. They dug this hole big enough to fit this moving truck in the hole. It was about eight feet wide and 16 feet long. Mm -hmm. It was hidden off to the side in the quarry so none of the employees would even notice it. Mm -hmm. And it was about 12 feet below the surface. Okay. Inside the buried moving truck were uh, mattresses flashlights, jugs of water, a few snacks, and where there were tires, so in the old-fashioned moving trucks, they had like these wheel wells inside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What they did is they cut out the metal. They put a wooden box over it. What did a makeshift toilet for them to use? Okay, okay. I know what you're talking about. On top of these moving trucks... 
they used to be a small hatch. Like a ventilator. Right. Like a little square, like 12 by 12. Mm-hmm. When they got to the, the makeshift tomb, they put a ladder from that top hatch mm-hmm. going down and they forced Ed down first. This okay. little hatch must have been, I mean, Ed must have squeezed through because that's not a small guy either. Mm-hmm. And they did it all by gunpoint. They sent all the kids down. Once everybody was in the truck, they ended up slamming the hatch door shut and everything mm-hmm. went dark. They also moved a manhole cover. Yeah. They moved it over the hatch. So they couldn't lift it out or anything. Yeah. That's what they thought. Aha. And then they covered the the manhole cover with some dirt. So now the truck is completely submerged in earth. And then they put this wooden box over it. Mm-hmm. And then they parked a dump truck over it. So nobody would even see the wooden mm-hmm. box sitting there. Right. Inside the truck, you have 26 screaming kids. They're completely in the dark. All they can hear around them is just the earth tiling up when they were burying them. Mm-hmm. Think of how scary that must be. Because you, you're in an enclosed area and the earth around you is not solid so everything is moving yeah they were buried alive yeah i mean as an adult yeah. i'm freaking yeah. out as a kid i would be the youngest one was five oh, yeah babies. the ages were between five to 14 wow the three men were congratulating each other on their success they're like oh my god our plan went perfectly everything is in place <laughs> the pantyhose worked pantyhose worked so the next <laughs> step to this plan somebody had to call the police and say hey sure we got these kids we want ransom mm-hmm. and the plan was that they were going to ask for five million dollars which is about 23 million today mm-hmm. from the state of california initially and then they were going to see mm-hmm. what the parents could produce after that if the state of california couldn't do it okay. somebody was going to do it but their plan kind of fell apart. You see, they couldn't reach the police because all the parents were calling the police. <laughs> this is 1976. There's only a couple of phone lines and the parents are like, yeah. give me an update. What's going on with my kid? Yeah. You know, what should I do? Yep. But the phone line was jammed with the busy signal so they could <laughs> <laughs> oh my god womp, womp. the three men decided you know what we'll follow up with this in about an hour or so we're gonna take a nap because that was a that was a lot of work doing that so mm, that's what they I'm did gonna take a nap. We're gonna, they took a nap Meanwhile, while they're sleeping down below, the old moving truck wasn't built to withstand the weight of all that earth, and the horrified kids started hearing crushing noises, and the roof started to cave in. The walls began to crumble, because it's a tin can. Yeah. There was no time to wait. Ed kept everybody calm, and he enlisted the help of the oldest boy, who was 14-year-old Mike Marshall. Mm -hmm. They formulated a plan. They were going to search every inch of the truck Mm -hmm. and get their bearings to see what was going on. At this point they have been missing 13 hours Mm -hmm. all the kids even the young ones such as five years old pitched in to help Mm. these little babies ed and mike started stacking the mattresses on top of each other to reach the escape hatch which was above them Mm -hmm. ed was able to open it and then he was able to slowly move the manhole cover oh wow yeah so he's just pushing it on the side push it real good (laughs) all that dirt was falling on ed he Mm -hmm. didn't know what he was opening up he had no idea he just knew he had to try that was the way out yeah so the dirt was falling and then he noticed that when he looked up there was another space enclosed space and that was the wooden box that they put on top of that okay ed could he could barely fit through the hole and he's like i can't get enough leverage to do anything up there in that box and that can find space but Mm -hmm. mike marshall is like i can do it he Mm -hmm. ended up going up through the hatch 
Now, in this little space, he just started mm-hmm. to hit the side and started trying to break the wood. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, he started hearing cracks and he got through one slat, then he got through the other slat, and then he started pushing at the dirt and digging. And remember, all this dirt is falling now, not only on Mike, it's falling on Ed, right. it's falling in the truck. Right. Mike stated, all he could think about was, he's got to try, he's got to try. He, he, he didn't know what else to do. And then all of a sudden, he stated he saw sunlight. Mm. He's crawling out out of this hole. He notices he's also under a truck. And he's like, okay, all right, but I hear trucks in the background. So Mike's thinking, are those the kidnappers? Where am I? Mm -hmm. You know, he's trying to get his Mm -hmm. bearings on where he was. Ed was able to get through the hole as well. Mm -hmm. And Ed didn't waste any time. He was just getting the kids out. He's like, I don't care if the kidnappers find us. The truck is collapsing underneath the earth. We got to get the kids out. Right. He got the kids out. He organized the group of kids. He's like, all right, guys, listen, we're going to get help right right now and it's a quarry so you have all these trucks working and machinery right, working right and just ran to the noise he's like there's somebody that's gonna help us so he just yes. ran to the noise not knowing exactly if he was running once again into the lion's den with the kidnappers mm-hmm. he, he just didn't care at that point he needed help he approached employees from the family quarry and they were like mm-hmm. why are you here and who are you why don't you have any shoes and why do you have so many kids with you like what's going on why are you in your underwear the employees immediately called the police and the police flew there yeah and within an hour all these kids were on a greyhound bus heading home to their family wow how how far was the quarry from where they were stopped originally two hours two hours okay yeah. wow when the three criminals woke up from their nap <laughs> They turned on the TV and they watched in real time the kids being rescued. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And they were like, is that us? Is is that here? Is that? Oh. (laughs) Oops. Yeah. When they saw what happened, they fled. Didn't take police long after that um, because the quarry wasn't accessible without keys. And the family Mm -hmm. knew, okay, everybody is accounted for with keys except one person, who is my son. And I don't think his family liked him that much. They were like, he's probably guilty. And they turned him in. But they couldn't find him. The quarry was like this 100-acre plot of land. The police came in and they were like, well, we we need to investigate. Where has he been? Does he have an office? Mm -hmm. And they found everything they needed. They actually found like the plan and and it was the plan with the, with the ransom note. And it was titled the plan. Like these guys are, they're just not creative. It's the plan. It took about eight days for Richard to turn himself in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Six days after that, his brother came in. And then about six days after that, they caught Fred in Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> the three men pled guilty to kidnapping for ransom and robbery, but they refused to plead guilty to infliction of bodily harm. This is a conviction combined with the kidnapping charge would carry a mandatory sentence of life in prison without parole. Mm-hmm. They weren't about mm-hmm. to do that. They were like, no, no, we'll do some time, but we're not, you're not getting our life. You know, <laughs> they were tried on the bodily harm charge and they were found guilty. Okay. They did get the mandatory sentence, but 
but their convictions were overturned by the appellate court, mm-hmm. which found that physical injuries sustained by the children were mostly just cuts and bruises, and it did not meet the standard for bodily harm under the law. That was going to be a question. Okay. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. the psychological damage, that's bodily harm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I think we would have a different understanding today than in 1970. It's all fucked up. How? Yeah, 50 years later. <laughs> yeah, I think the 70s have just like, we, we just need to do a crime chat that 70s show because there's so much <laughs> fucked up shit in the 70s. It's crazy. Um, So the three of them, they were resentenced to life with the possibility of parole. Richard was released in 2012. James was paroled in 2015. And in October 2019, Woods was denied parole for the 19th time. Who was Wood? Was that Frank? Fred. Was that Fred? Woods? The oh. ringleader. The ringleader. Okay. 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 19 times he was denied. <laughs> they included disciplinary infractions for possession of contraband, pornography, cell phones. The heir to two wealthy California families, Fred, ended up inheriting a trust fund from his parents that was described in one of the court filings as being worth $100 million. Fucking idiot. As of 2016, <laughs> now, $100 million. He was married three times while he was in prison. <laughs> To three lucky ladies. To three lucky ladies. Conjugal visits? (laughs) That is a gold digger, if I've ever seen one. I don't Mm. use that term lightly. So he also purchased a mansion that was about 20 minutes away from the prison. And on August 17th, 2022, Wood's parole had been granted and he was released from prison. Oh, just last year. Yeah. The state sponsored a trip to Disneyland right after this um, ordeal for the children. Oh, for the kids. I thought you meant for them. Like, once they got (laughs) paroled, like, let's go to Disneyland. I'm like, what are you going (laughs) to I'm going to Disneyland. They were like, you know what? These poor kids, Let the the state of California was like, let's do something nice for them Mm. as a group. They sent them to Disney World or Disneyland or where where, in California. Disneyland in California. Disney World is here in Florida. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not a Disney person. Oh. I'm a universal girl. Give me some roller coasters. I need roller coasters. I need to feel like I'm going to (laughs) die. Then I'm- You don't feel like you're going to die on Space Mountain? You know, it doesn't do anything for me. Or it's a small world. I feel like I'm going to die Every time I go on, it's a small world after all. <laughs> or the spinning uh, teacups. Oh. That, I, w- I can't believe you just said that. I was just thinking of the spinning teacups. You know what that reminds me of? Being like on a roller coaster ride in the brain of somebody who was completely psychotic. Yeah. Spinning around in teacups. Well, because you're spinning in one direction and the whole saucer spinning in another direction. It's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy. I already have vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> They were trying to help. They also realized that a lot of the kids that were kidnapped were starting to develop anxiety disorders and depression. Mm -hmm. Mike Marshall, who was the boy that helped Mm -hmm. get the kids out, he became a rodeo cowboy, but he also suffered from depression and substance abuse issues for Mm -hmm. years Mm -hmm. before finally getting cleaned. Today, he works as a trucker and he does, you know, he has his own family. There's a picture of him. He reminds me of Edel a little bit. Oh, yeah? He kind of looks like Ed, yeah. You're going to have some pictures up? Yes. Okay. Yes. Frank Edward Ray received a California School Employee Association citation for outstanding community service. Ed passed away in 2012. It was before the first guy was paroled. So during the years, he was visited by many of the school children he had helped that day. Mm -hmm. In 2015, the Sports and Leisure Park in Chowchilla was renamed the Edward Ray Park. 
Park. And every February 26th was declared Edward Ray Day in Chowchilla. Mm. He will always be remembered as an heroic person that saved the lives of 26 kids. When I show you a picture of this truck, it was crushed. Mm. They were moments away from death. 2016, the 25 surviving children settled a lawsuit that they had filed against the kidnappers. The money they received was paid out from Frederick Wood's trust fund. I was going to say, that trust fund, baby. Yeah. And although, though, there wasn't a public settlement that we can find, one of the survivors did say it was enough to pay for some serious therapy, but it wasn't enough to buy a house. So maybe they got 50000 each from this freaking multi-millionaire the bastard yeah. a study found that the kidnapped children suffered from panic attacks nightmares involving kidnappings death personality changes as well as developing fears such as cars in the dark the wind it could be anything i mean sure you're laying down at night if you were buried alive just the little sound of gravel or something outside would send you into a cold chill mm-hmm. there was a, a bunch of movies and tv shows about this really? there was a two-hour made-for-tv movie on abc titled they've taken our children the chowchilla mm-hmm. kidnapping because uh, i honestly have never heard of this I, it's a good never. story right you know what okay it doesn't have murder but you know what there's a hero there's there's a good ending happy yeah. happy ending yeah it's a little lighter <laughs> the next one is house of horrors kidnapped on discovery the episode aired in 2015 and was told from the point of view of michael My- uh, marshall the 14 year old you all said michael myers i know i did <laughs> Our brain immediately goes there. In 2015, an episode of Inside Edition reunited some of the kidnapped women to tell their stories. Oh, okay. Yeah. In 2019, a television news magazine, 48 Hours, which is one of the things I watched to research this case. Mm -hmm. The episode is called Live to Tell the Chowchilla Kidnapping. And then they did another TV uh, news magazine in 2023. I guess the 48 Hours also has a magazine. And then they also air their episodes. And this one was uh, titled Remembering the Chowchilla chilla kidnapping Mm. yeah so there's a good ending and god bless you ed thank you ed yeah yeah and my yes rest in peace ed got all those babies out wow yeah it's a it's a it's a new one for me but you know what we get so much bad murder death and gore and torture we'll be back next week with something real dark Let's do something a little lighter because you know what? Yeah, last week's episode was dark. I don't know. Hope that lifts your spirits a little bit. But that's cool. Thank you for doing that story, like for uh, a little, yeah, a little happy ending. Ish. Once again, a sentence we have to unpack that Cat has just said that can go two different ways. Because we don't want to leave you hanging, chatters, for more information on this case, please check out After That Crime Chat, only available on our Patreon. Yes, don't forget to follow us, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat, on Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and to see what we got coming. We got some stuffs coming the way. Yes, remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. When you become a chatter, you have full access to our bonus episodes, behind the scenes, bloopers, free merch, and also check out some stuff that is in the works. Yes, and be sure to check out our next episode it's a crime and cosmetics can't wait can't wait (laughs) yeah you don't want to miss it so we'll see you on the next crime chat bye from virginia